We are back. It is 2021. We're in a new year, and for those of us who run businesses, we've already been thinking about our goals and what we want to see happen in the new year. And that's what we're going to be talking about, goal setting. Welcome to Conflicted, the podcast exploring the tension Christian entrepreneurs face, trying to pursue success in business and sacrifice in service to Christ. I'm your host, Sean Tombagahan, and I'm glad to be with you on this journey. You know, before I was a Christian, I never really set New Year's resolutions or any goals or anything like that. its I don't think it has anything to do with being a Christian. You know, I was 22 when I gave my life to the Lord, so maybe it was just an issue of youth or really not having any ambitions. Um, I only bring that up because my only experience with goal setting has been as a believer. So I've always tried to approach it from a biblical perspective. Now, we all know that there's nothing magical about going from one day to the next. You know, there's not like a special actual reset button that's clicked between 11.59 p.m. December 31st and 12 a.m. January 1st. Uh, But for me, the end of the year is always a time of reflection, goal setting, and planning. You know, how did the previous year go? What were some of the victories? What were some of the failures that I've experienced? What do I want to see different in the next year? You know, what type of person do I want to become in the next few months? I think that all of those are questions we need to be asking ourselves uh, all the time, but it's important to periodically take inventory. You know, so for me, the end of the year and the beginning of the new year is a great time to do that. Uh, As a Christ follower, we always have to ask ourselves, What does this look like in light of God's plan for our lives? In this episode, I want to give some of the most helpful tips that I've learned in goal setting. I want to talk about what to do if and when we fall short of our goals. Uh, But first, as a Christian, we first and foremost, we want to make sure if this effort is even biblical, right? How, How should Christians approach the idea of goal setting? Is this just a worldly construct or how should we be involved in this? You know, it's it's critical. We have to be careful. Uh, when it comes to this issue of of setting plans for life, because we could find ourselves foolishly chasing the wind. Um, So I want to look at the scriptures and uh, just a a few of them talk about how they can apply to this issue of setting goals. I have uh, three points and, and a few other principles. So our first point is, you know, should we even set goals? Should we set goals? Carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So, you know, at first glance, it looks like James is is warning us that goal setting is a work in futility. You can make all these plans, but you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Now, James isn't saying that, you know, since we're going to die one day, we shouldn't think or plan for the here and now. The point James is making is that we need to be living on the razor's edge of eternity in our minds. In all of our thinking and planning and goal setting, we have to be aware that this life is not what we're actually living for, this life, this side of eternity. He's not making an indictment against uh, planning for the future. Isaiah 32, 8 says, The noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. So the Bible isn't anti-goal setting. You know, even Jesus in Luke 14, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
Now, obviously, in in context, Christ is talking about the the uh, counting the cost of following him, but he's using the general wisdom of plan making. You know, but someone who's going to build a tower, and uh, this planning isn't deemed as something that's foolish, but it's it's a righteous thing. So, yeah, the important thing that James is is telling us is to uh, don't don't necessarily make plans without thinking of eternity in mind. He he's trying to get us to think about by what standard we should be making our plans. We should, you know, we we could easily and foolishly say, "Hey, we're going to do this and that," but if it's not the Lord's will, then it's really meaningless. And so, the second point I want to make is, okay, well, if goal setting is is a good thing, uh, you know, the noble make noble plans and and by noble deeds they stand, well, by what standard are we supposed to make our plans? Psalm 37.4 is, is a scripture that's really spoken to me a lot uh, in my Christian life. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people take this out of context, or they think it to mean you know something along the lines of, you know, hey, if I really want something, how do I get that thing? Okay, well, I'll delight myself in the Lord, and he'll just give me whatever random desires I come up with. And you know, that, that's not what it actually means. This, this scripture is saying, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. When we are spending time with the Lord, we're spending personal, intimate time with the Lord, our desires are his desires. He puts his desires into us to where our desires, what we want, is actually what God wants for us. And so when it comes to setting goals, I always want to be careful not to just write down a bunch of random things that I've been thinking about. I have to ask myself, have I been delighting in the Lord? Am I confident that the goals that I'm setting are actually God's desires for my life? Or are they just something that I've thought up of on my own? Uh, this is why I think it's pretty important to, um, to have seasons of fasting and prayer uh, to really kind of crucify, starve your flesh, to really distinguish between what your flesh is wanting and what God is wanting uh, to be honest, right now it's already January, and I still haven't solidified all of my goals. You know, but it, it's the end of the year and the beginning of the years is, is kind of that time for me. Um, but the end of this year, or well, the end of 2020, uh, for me it was filled with uh, family gatherings and festivities. And and just to be honest, I haven't really um, felt confident that. Uh, I've been spending a lot of personal, intimate time with the Lord, so I didn't want to sit down and just write down my goals. Uh, and so I'm taking the first two weeks of January um, for fasting and prayer and really just getting alone with God and saying, God, what do you want for my life? Where, where am I in your will? Uh, Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You know, there's a, there's a sense in which we could be busy and productive in the eyes of the world, you know, according to worldly wisdom. Um, but it all could be for nothing unless the Lord is the one who wants it done. You know, I've already shared in, in one of the previous episodes um, a journal entry that I wrote where I shared my two greatest fears. And, you know, it's terrifying to think of the idea of reaching the end of my life and all of my labor has just been in vain. It, it just dissipates in the ash heap of eternity. And so, you, you want to make sure, I want to make sure, and if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you want to make sure that the plans that we're making for our lives are not just going to be for nothing. We're not going to be having um, a bunch of productivity and business, you know, busyness for the sake of being busy, uh, but we're actually doing what the Lord has called us to do. Proverbs 3.6, it says, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So you you notice a theme here in all these scriptures. Are your goals your goals or are they God's goals for your life? In all your ways, whatever you're uh, committing to the Lord or you're committing to do with your life, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make those paths straight. There's a few more here. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I think Romans 12.2 here gives us kind of like the barometer by which we could determine between our wills, our, our, our thoughts, and, and God's thoughts. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will a- be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So the main point is that when it comes to the believer setting goals, We shouldn't look like the world. We don't just look up to the sky and dream up or visualize whatever we want to see happen. We have a Lord. We have a master. He rules over our lives. We do not belong to ourselves. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way. says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So there are specific good works that we were created for, and it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, we don't get the, uh, the, the privilege of determining the good works for our lives for ourselves. We don't get to say, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. No, God has already determined the good works that we're to walk in. We need to discover those good works, and then we need to walk in them. The next point is, okay, I want to talk about some biblical principles for goal setting. And there's there's three principles, right? So the first one is um, goal set setting isn't just a mental exercise. It requires action. Goal setting isn't a mental exercise. It requires action. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Yeah, if you look at the, the book of Proverbs, it's just full of contrasts, right? Between the righteous and the wicked, the wise and the foolish, and the poor and the prosperous. Uh, in, in this proverb, we see that the plans of the diligent lead to profit. You can't just have plans. You also have to be a person of diligence. A diligent person is one who's consistent, one who has follow through, a person who actually puts action behind their plans. In contrast, he says here that uh, haste leads to poverty, so if you just go out and you try to make things happen without giving them any thought, just kind of shooting from the hip, it leads to poverty. And I, I've actually seen a lot of entrepreneurs do that. They're kind of reactionary in their business. Uh, they they respond as things are happening to them, and they just kind of hope that they end up in a good place. We can't do that if we're looking for long-term success or prosperity in our business. You have to plan, and you have to be diligent. Uh, one one thing, uh, a bit of wisdom I learned in a book that I read called The E-Myth Revisited from Michael Gerbers. He says that you have to spend as much time working on your business as you do in your business. Um, I, I try to, you know, and sometimes I, I fail at it, but I, I try to make a conscious effort to spend at least a day a week looking at my business from a bird's eye view. 
so that I, I don't get just lost in the weeds of the everyday work. It's it's easy to kind of go about my work day and fill it up with tasks and just start working. And in, in that mode, you become reactionary, start kind of reacting to issues as they come up. And before you know it, you've not really moved the needle anywhere further in your business. You're just kind of in the same spot. And so you, you kind of have to work on your business as much as you're working in your business. You have to kind of take that bird's eye view, look at high level, where are we going, where are we right now, uh, what are those things that we need to put in place to get to where we want to go, and then put your plans to work. And we have to do this not only in business, but also our spiritual lives. It's not enough to just do spiritual disciplines. It's easy to get in the routine of, of prayer and Bible studying and uh, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. We actually have to take moments and pause and just be alone with God and see where we are in His will. Second principle is to make a distinction between ultimate and preliminary goals. Make a distinction between ultimate goals and preliminary goals. Proverbs 24, uh, 27 says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. So there's the prelim work and then there's the ultimate goal. You know, a lot of people have an end goal in mind, but they don't really think about the prelim steps that it takes to get there. Uh, when, when setting goals, we shouldn't just think about what we'd like to see accomplished someday. We actually have to put together an action plan of what needs to happen in order for those end results to come to pass. You know, for example, in my business, I might have a financial goal. You know, a lot of people say, well, we want to make X amount of dollars in our business uh, by the end of this year. Uh, But you have to think the number really is meaningless in itself if there's uh, if there's um, a particular amount of products and services, you have to have a particular amount of products and services that have a specific dollar amount associated with that big financial goal. Meaning, how many people do I want to serve? In what time frame? At what price point? And that's what leads to that ultimate financial goal. So really, the, the financial goal is kind of like the last step. You got to think about those other questions before. So the ultimate goal uh, is sometimes um, kind of dictated by those preliminary goals. How many people do I want to serve? What time frame? At what price point? Another example would be, uh, you know, outside of businesses, like getting into shape. A lot of people want to get into shape on the first of the year. That's why the gyms are usually packed, you know, the first three months of the year. Um, and that, getting into shape, that's, that's broad, right? That's an ultimate goal. It's too general. It needs some specificity. What does getting into shape even mean, first of all? Uh, is it, you know, I want to lose X amount of pounds. I want to have X amount of body fat. Uh, wh- what does that actually mean? And what are the prelim steps that you need to take that are going to get you there? You know, how many days a week are you currently going to the gym? What is your current diet looking like? Um, you have to set all of those kind of prelim goals. I have the goal of going to the gym X amount of days per week for X amount of time and having my diet look like this for the first three months of the year. So, yeah, in other words, get the fields ready, then build your house. The third principle is to categorize your goals. Not all goals are equal, right? So I talked about making a distinction between ultimate and preliminary goals, but it's also important to distinguish between primary goals and secondary goals, right? Primary goals are those things that hold more weight than the secondary goals. So for example, like my marriage, where do I want my marriage to be? That's more of a uh, of an important goal than maybe, you know, a financial goal that I might have. 
Um, so you have to really determine what's really important in life, what's primary and what's secondary, what's what's uh, needs to happen and what would be great to happen. That's kind of like I'm, I'm moving towards that, but really I need to focus on these, you know, few primary goals. And I would say set, you know, maybe two or three primary goals uh, for every however many uh, secondary goals you have. Also make a distinction between short and long-term goals. A lot of people have these big long-term goals that it's like in, in five years, I want to have X happen. And it's just this big, hairy, audacious goals, but they don't have any more manageable short-term goals. And so there's important goals or secondary goals. There's short-term, there's long-term goals, but there's also different categories of goals in regards to like personal, professional, uh, and service, right? So personal goals might be uh, physical, mental, spiritual, relational goals. Um, professional goals might be revenue, uh, systems, partnerships, um, business growth, and service goals might be things that you want to do in ministry, uh, places you want to give to, uh, organizations you want to volunteer with. Uh, another principle is to don't to not be short sighted. Uh, John six twenty seven he says, "Don't work for food that spoils." but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I've already spent a lot of time in the first point about seeking the Lord before setting goals, but I want to hit it again. If your goals only involve you, or if your goals uh, only affect what happens this side of eternity, then you're being selfish, you're being nearsighted. We, we can't just think about ourselves and we can't just think about the life this side of eternity. We have to be thinking about others and we have to be thinking about true treasure, which is really people. We have to be thinking about the, inter, uh, the eternal impact of our lives. Uh, the, the, thing, the interesting thing to note here is that God has called each one of us in a unique context. So like the context that I find myself in is not the same context that you find yourself in. We're all in a unique context with a unique sphere of influence. I'm connected to people that you're not. You're connected to people that I'm not. So we have to think about how is God wanting to use me in the context that I find myself in for his glory to expand his kingdom and the the last point on this is the idea of, of common grace. You know, all the previous principles are, are things that I've gleaned straight from the Bible. Uh, however, the Bible also talks about this idea of common grace. It's the concept that it reigns on both the just and the unjust. There's good things that happen to Christians and non-Christians alike. There's bad things that happen to Christians and non-Christians alike. It's just the general wisdom and principles that apply to all people because that's just the way God created the world to work. So the rest of these tips are not necessarily things that I've gleaned straight from the scripture, although they are backed by scriptural principles. These are just, just things that I've learned and have applied uh, to my life. They've helped me in my life and my business. And um, one of them is the idea of, uh, we call it 10 and 10. So uh, a mentor in my life uh, told me to, to do this exercise, and I'd encourage you to do this. If you're married, it's also an awesome exercise to do with your spouse. Uh, and so he said, Sean, Make a list, you make a list separate from your wife, and then you guys come together and talk about your list. And again, it's a great exercise for marriage, but um, the list is going to be 10 and 10, 10 things that if money and time and none of that was an issue, what would you like to see happen for yourself? And then the other list is 10 things 
that you would like to do for other people. So 10 things that you'd like to do for yourself and 10 things that you'd like to do for other people. Again, I'm assuming that we're submitting all of our thoughts and all of our desires and everything that we want to the Lordship of Christ, but write down 10 things that you want to do for yourself and 10 things that you want to do for other people, irrespective of uh, time and money. And this is primarily for bigger long-term goals and, and, and do that, make that list and call it 10 and 10. So there's a total of 20 things. And, uh, you know, he, he said, that's your dream board and then put it down on a list and, and, um, and actually look at it daily. Uh, but my wife and I did this and it was an awesome exercise because we saw that there's a lot of parallel. There's a lot of overlap in the things that we wanted to do for other people and, and even, um, parallels in what we wanted to see for ourselves. And so it's just a good exercise to kind of create big long-term goals. That way you know that you're headed towards a direction. You know, if you aim for nothing, you're sure to hit it every time. It's, it's better to fall short of a big goal than to have no goals and hit it. And so this this idea of 10 and 10 was a great exercise for us to come up with our dream and, and just a list of things that we would love to see happen for ourselves and, and things that we would love to do for other people. And some of those things um, are still on our list today. Some of those things you cross out and you say, well, you know, I don't want to do those anymore. Uh, but it's just something that you're aiming towards. Another uh, principle is to make social contracts. And another one of my mentors, uh, Chris Doe, taught me the idea of making a social contract, meaning post it for social media or for your friends and family or, or tell other people about what you'd like to see done. So it's one thing to keep a goal to yourself uh, and, and just between you and, and God or just in your journal. But it's another thing if you actually verbalize your goals and what you'd like to see happen uh, and you, you tell that to other people, it kind of holds you accountable. Like, I've said this. I would like to see this done. This is a goal that I'm reaching towards. And it's also awesome if you have a group of people that you're around. I'm blessed to have an accountability group of men that I can share uh, ideas and struggles and, or things that I want to be held accountable to. And I say, hey, this is what I'd really like to see done. And we do this not only with spiritual, but also physical goals, things in, in our marriage. Uh, and, and my group of guys will hold each other accountable. So make social contact. Tracks. It's not, it makes a difference between just keeping the goals to yourself and then making the world know, or at least your small world know, the, your small sphere of influence outside of your own um, head. And so make a social contract. Uh, the next tip is uh, if, if you're leading teams uh, or if you're leading a team. If you lead a team, uh, I definitely recommend setting goals together. Now, obviously, as the leader, you're setting goals yourself. Uh, but give your team the freedom and the responsibility to set goals, and it gives them the ownership of those goals. If you have a small team, it's easy to do this with everybody. You know, for me, I have a really small team. We're, we're less than 10. Uh, for a larger team, focus on your key leaders. Maybe you don't have, maybe you're leading 100 people or you have a, a business with 500 people. You can't necessarily set all of your goals with everybody, but you have a, a group of core leaders that you can set goals with together. Uh, the important thing, like what, one of the things that I try to do with my team is teach them how to set goals. And we've gone through this in, in staff meetings, uh, goal setting exercises. Uh, and, you know, I, again, make a distinction between personal and corporate goals. And, and we say, uh, you know, here are some physical goals that I have personally. What, what would you like to see happen and hold each other accountable? So teach your team how to set goals. Um, one thing that I did for, for my team was uh, we set goals for each department. And then we spent time asking the, uh, the important question is, who must I become? Right, so what do I want to accomplish, 
and uh, what needs to be done to accomplish that, but who is the type of person that would accomplish that type of goal? Who is the type of person that I need to become in order to see this goal through? Uh, the, the question does come also, like, what happens when we fail at reaching our goals, right? So when you set a goal, you reflect back, and you realize you fell short. I was on a, um, a call with a peer group of mine, and um, the, there was you know, several people on this call, but we were talking about goal setting. And one of the girls on the call, she was very emotional and really beating herself up because she had set these goals and uh, she's just crying because every time she set goals, she seemed to fail, and she's just really down on herself. And um, and I just started writing down a list of uh, just a few things that I think are helpful because uh, I always set goals and I always fail at reaching all of my goals. I never, I don't think there's been a single year to where I'm like I reached every single one of the goals I set. And I think if you do do that, you're probably setting goals that are way too low for yourself. Um, so we have to prepare ourselves like, what do we do if and when we fall short of the goals that we set? And so a couple tips to do that is, uh, one is aim small too, right? So I, I'm definitely not a proponent of, of like just setting small goals. I want, I want to dream big and I want to be around big dreamers. Um, you know, so you don't compromise your dreams, However, it's important to set some small, attainable, short-term goals that help you build confidence and level out the big, hairy, audacious, long-term goals that you might set. So uh, don't just set these huge goals that are kind of like out of reach. Obviously, you do want to set big goals, but also set some smaller, short-term, attainable goals. The next point is to control what you can, not what you can't. Right, you can't control what you can't. Right, so you have to include goals that you directly have control over, not only goals that require other people to respond. So, an example of this, going back to the revenue goal, if I have a revenue goal that re- that requires people actually giving me money, and that's not completely in my control, but what is in my control is I can contact X amount of people per week. That's completely in my control. So, uh, again, I don't get control of the outcome, but I could get uh, have control of the means. Or, you know, for example, spiritually, I want to lead 10 people to Christ. Well, that's not necessarily in your control. You know, the word says that some plant, others water, but it's God who brings the growth. You don't get to determine how many people come to Christ through your ministry. It's not in your control. But you can say, I want to witness to 10 people every month. That is in your control. So control what you can. And uh, the next point is to compare you to you. I think a lot of us fall short when we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reels. This is also true of social media, right? Social media, we always put our best foot forward. We always show the best aspects of our life. And so we're looking at people's highlight reels. And so, you know, I think it's important to look at people to get inspiration, right? I, I get inspired by big achievers, but I don't measure myself by their success. If I do, then I'll just be depressed. I'm not supposed to be measuring myself to other people's success. Instead, compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. Uh, and the, the next point or the last point in this is enjoy the process, right? Goal setting is not about becoming a perfect human being. Don't put unnecessary burdens on yourself. Self-improvement is not self-perfection. And even in the, uh, the process of sanctification, it's a process, 
You know, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself to uh, to the Apostle Paul's highlights. If you do compare yourself, compare yourself to where Apostle Paul's being uh, transparent with his struggles and saying, you know, who, I do the very things that I don't want to do. Who's going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ who gives me the victory, right? So don't don't compare yourself to this unattainable measure of perfection that is just so far out of your reach. Enjoy the process. Sanctification is a process. Enjoy that process. Enjoy the process of of growing personally, professionally, spiritually. It's self-improvement, not self-perfection. I'll end it right there. Hopefully these tips have been helpful for you. Like I said, I know they've been helpful for me. But I'm curious to hear back from you guys. What are some of the goals that you've set? What are some of the tips that you've learned about goal setting? If you follow me on social media, if you're on the conflicted email list, reply back or comment with either a goal that you've set, you know, set that social contract, put it out there. This is a a personal or a professional or a spiritual goal that I've set or reply or comment with a tip that you've learned about goal setting. Until next time, grace and peace. Thanks for sticking around. If you liked this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe, share the podcast with others, and write a review. It only takes a second, and it helps get the word out to more people. Also, if you want to support the podcast financially, please visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tamba. That's patreon.com forward slash S-E-A-N-T-A-M-B-A. Any amount definitely helps. You can also see the link in the show notes. That's it for today, folks. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you.